0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Poison Pen podcast. My name is Patrick. I am the science fiction and fantasy selector here at the Poison Pen, and tonight is a really fabulous night. Uh, we've got two of, uh, well, I wouldn't say science fiction best authors. Say I would say, I would say <laughs> that a little bit. Speculative fiction, maybe, historical fiction. Um, I am very fortunate enough to have Mary Robinette Cole here for her newest book, The Spare Man. And then, of course, I've got the illustrious Diana Gabaldon, who will be doing primar- the primary bit of the hosting tonight. Um, for those of you who are watching this evening, um, you can pick up uh, the newest book, uh, The Spare Man, here at the Poison Pen, signed by Mary Robinette. And of course, your proceeds help us put on wonderful programs like this Self*. Uh, this one today and to have authors like Diana and Mary Robinette um, join us. Um, so uh, just like PBS, your uh, your money is at work keeping us live and on air. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, do just a really brief introduction. Uh, Mary Robinette Cole is the author of the um, uh, the Lady Astronaut series. Obviously, the latest one is The Spare Man here. and uh, a lady who needs very little introduction, Diana Gabaldon, of course, of Outlander fame and uh, Lord John Gray Mysteries. I'm going to go ahead and disappear off stage and allow you to to discuss the latest book. Mary Robinette, Diana, welcome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Pat. You're doing a good job.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: I'm just going to mention that I do have swag that I have sent to the Poison Pen so that anyone who is Interested in getting a brochure uh, for the Lindgren, which is the ship that they are on. Um, each ticket is actually uh, a unique ticket, so you get your own cabin. Uh, <laughs> you can tell people to not disturb you. Not, it, the packets, so you know, you you have your boarding packet. They vary depending on your cabin class. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is it random, or can you sign up for a special class?
2: Uh, it is It is random. Um, I have upgraded people uh, to the, the grand suite. <laughs> like if um, at at the in-person events, if they show up in costume, I'm like, well, let me just upgrade oh. you. Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds well worth it. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the things that I liked, especially about the book, was the amount of detail that you went into about the uh, the furnishings as well as the uh, the technical aspects of, of the Lindgren and of um, interplanetary travel to Mars. Sounded oh, like a great cruise, yeah. Thanks, have Have you been on a cruise before? Yes, so uh, many times i
2: yes. <laughs> So I do a uh, a Writing Excuses, which is a podcast that we do. We've been teaching workshops on a cruise ship mm-hmm. um, for, uh, I don't know, six or seven years now. Ah. And, uh, and so I was like, I wanna do this in space. And about mm-hmm. the same time, I was like, I wanna do Thin Man in space and the two things Mm-hmm. Parts of it are based on like real cruise ships, which are just bonkers things.
3: I know, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. We were on a ship that had a um a bar that was an elevator, and oh. the entire bar like rose up and would go between levels
3: mm-hmm.
2: and into an arboretum.
1: It just, I'm like, who, who was like, you know what? <laughs> we <laughs> thought this up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that sounds like fun, you know. Did it move fast enough that you had to hold on to your drinks as it rose up and down?
2: <laughs> it's very, very gentle,
1: very slow. Just, yeah, just up it.
2: and then back down.
1: <laughs> well, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Now the only cruises I have been on with my husband are uh, river cruises with the uh, oh. Avalon Waterways. So I think we've been on four so far, nice. and are intending to do another one in twenty twenty four. But uh, yeah, no. but it's, it's quite small. You know, there's 128 people per, oh, yeah. per ship <laughs> and you're just going up and down the, the Seine or the Danube or the Moldau or wherever.
2: I've been thinking about doing one of those. We've been doing the like 3,000 people on a ship. Oh, um, okay. Although I did do, uh, do one with, um, with some mutual friends of ours with uh, Eileen and Jared and Crystal, but we did a, uh, a cruise, a barge, uh, barge cruise for my oh. 50th. Um, that sounds like it's- fun. Oh, it's beautiful. It was uh, through the south of France. But mm-hmm. it is, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime cruise for me, and there are clearly people who do this mm, constantly. And I'm like, oh, that's enough. <laughs> mm.
1: Aspirations, aspirations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead, I just uh, yeah. write about it. Well, it may be a little bit different when you are actually part of the entertainment as well as, yes. well as the cruise. Uh-huh. There is that, too. There is that.
2: It's like, hello, everybody. Let's talk about your latest writing project. How is it going today?
1: <laughs> well, that's a good way to start things off. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. And then and then later in the cruise, it's like, they're there. They're there, there. The writing will be fine. You're okay. You're okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is very hands-on, yeah. 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 I've, I've got to say that I don't teach when I'm uh, cruising and so forth. I am basically just an attraction, you might say. <laughs> but uh, I wander around talking to people. And I'll um, usually do one one event, you know, where I'll I'll yeah. talk, you know, to the assembled for a while and it's a pretty event where I will sign everybody's books. But other than yeah. that, you know, it's such a small ship that you see everybody all of the time. So no. My deal is just that I and my poor husband will be available, you know, pretty much all oh, the time. Nice. With one exception, we get an hour off for cocktail hour every afternoon. And if we have a little table <laughs> with only two chairs and the first thing there, no, you may not come and talk to us. But yes. any other time, totally, <laughs> little accident. Yeah.
2: yeah, that that is uh, I mean that sounds like a, a pretty good gig, honestly. And uh, and also yes, you you absolutely have to have that downtime of yeah
1: uh-huh. when you're not yeah. Tesla, like,
3: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah well and that was actually one of the things that i wanted to do with the book mm-hmm. was that i have with with tesla she's you know she's um she's quite famous and and people do not think about the the um, the constant strain that that places on someone when they have to be on all the time because
1: exactly so. who
2: knows who's looking who's watching them and
1: recording you and taking mm-hmm. pictures of you and so forth. Yeah, I've seen some really astonishing pictures of myself <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> because then of course they go post them so, on the internet.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was at my event last night was with um, Adam Savage, and we had a, you know, an hour for dinner beforehand. And during that, that hour tucked away in a corner, two different people and the waiter came up to ask for, uh, for his autograph.
1: Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm.
2: that just seems like that would be exhausting all the time. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, it certainly can be. Um, Luckily, I don't usually go in places where everybody knows who I am. Yeah. People will, you know, pass me in the grocery store and suddenly do a double take and sidle up and say, are you Diana? <laughs> I say, yes, I am. They say, oh, I love your books. And then they back away. <laughs> so...
2: uh, my my niece texted me uh, earlier today and she, and she was like, you're friends with Diana Gabaldon? And you, you, you never told me this? How are you even my aunt? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not sure if you've just given me street cred with my niece or uh, I have totally <laughs> <laughs>
1: absolutely yeah Oh, what was I going to ask you next? Oh, uh, I love the Thin Man movies. Uh, we used to watch them repeatedly all of the time. I could probably quote large chunks of the script. So I was absolutely delighted when I realized, uh, or was told, that that's what your uh, what your um, template was. You might say, yeah. "Yeah, are you a big fan of of the original Thin Man movies or hey, novels yeah. for that matter?" Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: So I encountered the Thin Man through film first, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. and and. Uh, just the the dynamic between William Powell and Myrna Loy as as Nick Mm -hmm. and Nora I love how they are um like the mystery the first mystery is fun the second mystery is fun and then after that I am just there for Nick and Nora yeah basically
3: Um, yeah
2: -hmm. you know and what I what I love is how much they trust each
3: other Mm -hmm. like Mm
2: -hmm. there's there's that scene in the first film where Nora comes in and Nick has another woman in his arms and she's, there's no question. So of her, <laughs> she's just like, oh, you're comforting someone because uh, he's comforting someone. And it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, of course. Like there's mm-hmm. no jealousy. There's no, uh, you know, there, and there's a playfulness with them. And I just, I love that. I love happily married couples mm-hmm. and, and you don't see them modeled all that often in fiction. It's always- mm-hmm. You know the people people at odds with each other or the mm-hmm. you know will they want won't they and, mm-hmm. and well i can enjoy that scenario as well um there is something delightful about a couple that's just like yeah no we are we're in love we're married we self-crime <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well you know it goes back to conflict and so forth mm-hmm. and that's why the other kind of, uh, of relationship novels thrives and so forth is because yeah. there's nothing more instant than conflict between people. And, yeah. you know, romances, especially, you have an internal yeah. story, you have an external story. The internal one is the most important, and that's where you know, all the emotional conflict comes from. Yeah. So you are bound to have, you know, by and large, misunderstandings and, you know, yeah. other kinds of conflict, which luckily you don't have to have in, uh, in this. In fact, I thought you handled that very well in the parts where uh, Tesla's spouse, um, shaman is uh is suspected of being the murderer and uh, you know she's just moving heaven and earth to get him out of durant's file and so forth yeah. and you know we totally believe her when she believes him you know we're not thinking that he's could possibly be guilty yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: it's like well so, of course. you know there's
1: conflict but it's how we're going to get him out of this and yeah. how we're we going yeah. to find the truth and as you say very much like the like the thin man movies mm-hmm.
2: One of the tricks that I found when I wanted to do uh, at some point is that I, I treat the relationship like a character.
1: Oh, good idea. Mm-hmm.
2: So, so this is in this, you know, these novels, the the character is not dealing with self doubt.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the character is just dealing with the events that are impacting the character, and mm-hmm. while the events can affect the character mm-hmm. um, and affect the way the character moves through the world. Uh, that that character is still, you know, solidly understands who it is, and that was like with with uh, that's the way it is with Nick and Nora. They totally understand who they are in relationship to each other. With Tesla mm-hmm. and Shao, they understand who they are in relationship to each other. And even though it's it's their honeymoon, they're still they're still an established couple who are like, yeah, no, this is this is who we are. But all of this other stuff, this is the rest of this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, this is basically how a good marriage works. Right, <laughs> right. know, as long as you're good with your spouse, you know everything's fine. You know, they'll just yeah. handle it. <laughs> all.
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
2: How do you handle keeping things going? Like keep because you you are quite quite a ways in.
1: Um. <laughs> yeah, about four million words give or take. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, if you have a long and long enduring relationship. It's not static or right. it wouldn't endure very long if it was. So things change constantly. And mm-hmm. in some instances, if it's a, a couple of people who do things that are somewhat out of the ordinary, you know, Clara is not your average housewife who is, you know, constantly tending babies and so forth. And this is one thing that people say to me, Oh, I wish, you know, that Clara had, had a baby, you know, in the in the past, you know, so Jamie could help raise it. And I'm going. Yeah. yeah I said yeah. and how would this work you know we have a battle <laughs> upcoming you know and Jamie is dressed up he's about to ride out is Claire riding by his side ready to spring into action no she's back there up to her elbows and diapers with somebody clinging to her and I'm going no we're not doing that no, anyway that's no. why Brianna is 18 when we first meet her so we didn't have to do any of that I mean, I have oh, three silver. children, and I love them dearly, even more so now that they are all grown. But, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, but they definitely inhibit, you know, romance and, you know, uh, <laughs> yes. the sensible progression of a plot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. yes. So, you know, that would be the first thing, is don't have children in the yeah. involved. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah I, I, uh, I opted to go the, uh, the aforementioned niece and, and nephew's route uh, and cats, and, mm-hmm. uh, and those, are, those are, are disruptive enough. Uh, thank Ooh. you. I'm, I'm I am delighted by everybody who has chosen to raise uh, my uh, my geriatric surgeons um, because you know, I need somebody to raise that next generation. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. they are they are a little disruptive to uh, to, to things moving forward.
1: No, well, this is true, but you know, there are everything is a trade-off. There are you know, rewards as well as difficulties. Yeah, so it just kind of depends on where you are.. Um, I, take it that you did not have disruptions of that sort when you were beginning to write. Um, So how did you establish your routine? Were you fairly uh, able to just start in and do what you liked, or did you have another job and other obligations that got in the way?
2: So I started with, um, I was a a puppeteer um, and (laughs) uh, had done that for, I was, Um, I don't know, 12, 15 years into my Mm -hmm. career. Um, And I had a a severe puppet injury. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So so I had, like, it was one of those kids who wanted to do everything and um, had written through high school and stuff, but I was doing a a puppet show and had a stunt go very wrong and uh, wound up in a cast for about a year and um and then another year in physical therapy but it gave me time to remember how much I enjoyed writing Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: and so I went back to that but because I come out of theater and Mm -hmm. had been a freelancer I like I I just treated writing like another form of freelancing and said well this is just Mm -hmm. another income stream that I'm adding Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. into my arsenal and so i I did, a, I still do a lot of what I call structured procrastination. It's <laughs> like, like I'm working on this project and then I hit a roadblock. And it's like suddenly time to work on something else. And it was great because um, like I could bounce between puppets and writing. Um, and, uh, and now, now where I'm at, I, I do almost no puppetry these days. It's pretty much all writing and, uh, and so it's much harder to find the thing that I'm gonna procrastinate on that's still pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, that uh, was joking the other day. It's like, I, I wanted to avoid writing something so badly that my inbox is now zero. <laughs> Ooh, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I was, was like, I really did not want to write that scene. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I try, so I, I have, um, and I try to be open about this, I have a uh, depression and ADHD, which I didn't know for a really long time.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I attributed the problems to like burnout or overwork or laziness. Um, and, uh, and now that I know what's going on, um, it's much easier because I recognize Uh, I recognize the symptoms that are happening Mm -hmm. and that gives me, and now I have a better, it's like, oh, this is a symptom of this. And so I can use this tool, Ah. which has been very helpful. So on good brain days, um, I'm like 2000, 3000 words a day, and that's great. And then on a bad brain day, I have committed to myself that I will write three sentences Mm -hmm. to mostly check to see whether or not it's a bad brain day. Um, or <laughs> it's just uh, that seems a little bit tricky and I was avoiding writing it so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and on bad brain days the sentences are often things like I'm tired I hate everything I'm going to go to bed now.
1: <laughs> okay well hey it's totally okay. legit as long as you know yeah. what's going on
2: <laughs> yeah but uh, but mm-hmm. I open the computer and and uh, and usually if I write the three sentences it's it's more than three um, mm-hmm. but that's that's what I aim for I don't have a uh a routine in terms of um I, like i i am happier when i can have a routine but mm-hmm. um but we we live with my my parents my mom has parkinson's oh. which uh mm-hmm. which I, I talk about in the the afterward but um so there are days where days where everything is fine and then there are days where it's like was that the sound of a body drop yep mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna not be writing right now <laughs>
1: Yes, uh uh-huh. well, you know, priorities. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah yeah. yeah. It's, uh, um, so do you have a what's do you have a routine? Are you able to maintain one with traveling off to Inverness? And
1: yeah, more or less, it kind of depends on how much I can stay awake at night, you know with time changes. My normal routine, as you probably know, is that I write in the middle of the night, you know, between midnight and four thirty in the morning is my prime time. I will write, you know, at different yeah. periods during the day depending on what else is going on but in the middle of the night everything is quiet no one is bothering me the phone is not ringing even the dogs are asleep you know there's no psychic noise none you know
3: yeah and uh,
1: so that is that's quite good of course that leaves my mind free to roam around and you know look at show dailies and you know youtube videos and Mm -hmm. things like that as a a means of escape from the page because uh i mean i have never been formally diagnosed but i'm sure as as uh anybody could be without being formally diagnosed, but I also have ADHD. And I learned this by accident, you know, maybe 15 years ago. I was talking to someone professionally on the phone. And uh, at the same time, I was looking at a newspaper quiz. This was back when we still had newspapers. Mm-hmm. And it was one about, do you have a ADD ADHD? And I was saying, well, certainly not, you know, but I was reading the questions anyway, and you're know, marking yes, no, etc. And I noticed the pattern about half of the questions <laughs> dealt with anger. They were saying, you know, how do you deal with frustration? Do you want to kick things? And I said, well, literally mentally, yeah, but not all the time, you know, and yeah. things yeah. like that. And the rest of them had to do with attention. They said, do you feel like uh, you're listening to eight different TV channels at once? And I was going, yeah, doesn't everybody? Things like yeah. that. And so when I quit uh, the phone call, I added everything up and I had answered all the anger questions no and all the attention questions yes. <laughs> I said <laughs> something doesn't
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I well, it uh, wasn't
1: the other way around.
2: <laughs> yeah. I I went in because I had been um, Seeing different things on on Twitter, and one of them, I was, I was like, oh, that feels very much like me,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and also realizing that it runs in family, and that my dad is like textbook, mm-hmm. uh, and I have other family members who who are formally diagnosed, and so I went in to talk to my doctor and. I started explaining things and i'm like okay but wait i should actually um okay and then hang on i need to give you this piece of information and she's like i'm just gonna stop you right there
1: yeah uh, yeah <laughs> like totally this, this is your
2: prescription
1: <laughs> that's really cool yeah so do you take medication regularly for it sorry that's a very intrusive question <laughs> no
2: no it's okay uh, as i said i talk about this openly it's like mm-hmm. one of the things that i'm trying to do with the fiction is just to be like destigmatizing a lot of mm-hmm. this
1: um yeah no I
2: um I do I can't do any of the a lot of the classic ones um because I also have an essential tremor and so oh,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, so I'm I'm on something that does not exacerbate the tremor um, and it it took us a little while to find something that did that um, mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. but and it uh, when I'm traveling um or have at a convention i find that i don't need it mm-hmm. and fortunately it's one that you can you can hop in and out of without that's good yeah yeah without
1: crashing in between yeah
2: yeah uh-huh. but at, at home it's enormously helpful because my executive function is just not it's <laughs> never been strong it's not ever strong so I would say <laughs>
1: <laughs> like why I is meant. this so hard yeah It's interesting that you mentioned that being in the midst of a lot of people at a convention or otherwise, essentially, I don't know if it suppresses the ADHD-ness or if it just uh, takes advantage of it. Because Mm -hmm. when a thousand people are talking to you and you're shifting from one topic to another and keeping track of your schedule and, you know, stopping Mm -hmm. periodically to do interviews and so forth, that is just the way... Our brains work naturally. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's probably what does it. Though I think the adrenaline of the stimulation of talking to people probably helps as well. Yeah. I personally uh, use caffeine as my only medication, but it works really well.
2: Yeah, and I can't. I have a because mm, of the tremor. Um, exactly. and I have a caffeine intolerance. Ooh. So um, so the combination of those, it's like when I'm, I'm tired, dead. I'm just tired. I'm just yeah. that's that's just where we are. Yeah, um, go take
1: a nap instead. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. So I know a lot of people who who handle it by self-medicating with caffeine, and, and I'm like, nope.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We're just gonna have to do this.
3: Uh,
1: We're wear wear my bootstraps, just gonna go. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm um well, everybody's different and everybody yeah. finds a different way of dealing with what it is you want to do and what it is you have to do
2: <laughs> yeah i i've been thinking about that um as uh and and like starting to write it this way for the last several books uh as uh rather than thinking of like disability or mental illness it's like i have a set of skills and my set of skills are to help me navigate a world that is not built for my brain but my brain is perfectly this is a Great set of traits. I can take information from a lot of different places and synthesize them. I can track a bunch of different things simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Those are great things to have. They are. Mm-hmm. And then the world is a hundred percent not built for me. It is built for people <laughs> that that you know. Where uh, like all of the phone notifications are for people who mm-hmm. um, it's difficult to get their attention. It's very easy to get my attention. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing to
2: it. <laughs> yeah, it's super easy. Hard to hold my attention sometimes, but really easy to get my attention. Uh, and and so I, I have to develop a different set of skills for compensating for the fact that my phone is built for somebody else's brain. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. True enough. Yeah. Uh, someone stole my husband's phone a few days ago, and we had to go through all the nonsense of you know getting it replaced and starting it up and reactivating it and so forth. Okay, he has an Apple iPhone. I have a Samsung uh, Android. Okay, and never the twain shall meet. Yeah. Learned years ago, I am not on Apple's wavelength. (laughs) They are not programming stuff for me. Their idea of exactly how you should approach computing is completely antithetical to the way my brain works. So, yeah, never not happening. Yep, yep. Yep. There you
3: are. Yeah, same,
1: same, same.
2: I am I am similar mm-hmm.
1: uh, I was going to ask you something else and of course it has flown out my left ear it'll come back it'll come back um For
3: sure yeah so
1: yeah. what is your daily routine or do you do you have one or do you work according to how you feel on a given day
2: yeah it's um so it's a lot of it, I mean, it varies. Um, so I guess it's more on the, depending on how I I feel in a given day, I try to have blocks of time, uh, in which I, I write. Um, and one of the, one of the things that I have been struggling with since the uh, beginning of the pandemic is a lot of my, um, a lot of my coping mechanisms went away. So something that I, I used to do on a regular basis is I would get up, I would, you know, uh, answer emails at home, um, I would do some tidying and then I would go to a coffee shop and I would write mm-hmm. at the coffee shop for a couple of hours and then I would come home and, and coming like. <laughs> yeah um usually around lunch and uh, and then that's not oh boy howdy was that not a thing for like 2 years and and now i'm still in the
3: i don't know yeah <laughs> so um
2: so then trying to figure out uh, what time of day is a good time for me to write it's frequently like you uh, late at night after everybody else has gone to bed um so i'm I'm kind of constantly trying to find something that works for me because unfortunately, or I don't know, a a thing that will happen for me is that I will have a routine and the routine will work really well until something breaks it Mm. and then it will never work again. Oh, that's not good. (laughs) No, like, and and it just, it stops working and I have to, I have to find a new ritual or a new routine. Mm -hmm. And I understand like, this is again, one of those, now I understand what's happening that,
3: mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um, that the, the ADHD brain is interested in things that are new,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, uh, they're in, it, interesting, uh, urgent and challenging. Yep. And so maintaining a streak is urgent and it's challenging. And then the writing is interesting, but you know, newness. Nah. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> yeah, um, and going to a coffee shop Gave me yeah. the novelty. Oh yeah, right? mm-hmm. and so coffee shops were great because I would get mm-hmm. I would get all of those. And It's like, well, you've made the trip. Now yeah. if now you've got to get work done, otherwise this trip is wasted, which would add in the urgency. Mm-hmm. So um, so I, I, the thing that I have been working on the last year is trigger figuring out how to trigger hyper focus when I want it. So. Oh, uh huh. Um, so I have a I have um, a soundtrack that I turn on only when I'm gonna write. Mm. Uh, when I'm at home, I have a sand timer that I turn over only when I'm gonna write. Uh, and that that helps trigger stuff. And then I make mm-hmm. sure that I put my phone someplace. Where I can't turn mm-hmm. my phone off in case there's an issue with mom, but mm-hmm. yeah. I can put it someplace where it takes conscious. It's not an easy. Let me grab it and mm-hmm. you know, or the the scene is very difficult. Why am I looking at my phone right now? Um, it's there, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So, mm-hmm. so
2: putting it someplace else so that it's it's
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, out of sight, out of mind um, mm-hmm. has been mm-hmm. has been really helpful. And then figuring out ways to trigger. Uh, the novelty or the urgencies, things, um, things like that, uh, gold stars, I, it depresses me that they oh were, <laughs> like, like, like literally printing a calendar, and drawing a star on the calendar, uh-huh, you wrote yeah. today, yeah, good job, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, you wrote uh-huh.
2: the words you wanted to write, you get two stars, I'm like, why does wow. that work?
1: Well, positive reinforcement you know it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's yeah. stars or something else but no but yeah no I've, I learned that uh, way early on when I was the only time I've ever had writer's block in my whole life was when I was writing my PhD dissertation <laughs>
3: for obvious
1: reasons yeah no. also we were living in Philadelphia which was horrible and uh yes Nothing against Philadelphia, except that I'm never going to live there ever, ever again. (laughs) (laughs) And that makes me very happy. But uh, other than that, yes. But there was that. And my husband was uh, uh, at Horton doing their MBA program and so forth. So he was working, you know, 14 hours a day and so forth, which is fine. He was mostly doing it (laughs) where I was, you know, we could have lunch and things like that. But still his, uh, his entertainment potential was significantly lowered and uh, so I was having a lot of trouble concentrating on this PhD dissertation mm-hmm. and you know hating Philadelphia and things like that having no money uh, that kind of stuff but yeah. I learned uh, what I finally did out of desperation was to start writing a journal every night oh. and you know it is not uh, you know emotions or deep thoughts or yeah. ideas for books or anything it's just a bald account of what I did during the day I, just, oh, I, did, this, I did this I did that etc yeah. and I found that it depressed me very much to mm-hmm. have to write did nothing today but read Nero Wolfe novels. And uh, <laughs> that if I could write, analyze the data for figure 2.14, then I felt good. I've yes. accomplished something. And I found that the urge to write down that I had done something was enough to make me do it. During the day. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I've heard someone else call them um, a, a have done
3: list. Mm-hmm, and
2: and, uh, and I, I was like, oh, that is a good idea. Because there's uh, one of the other things that I find is that we don't, um like we will go out of our way to celebrate somebody else's victories Mm -hmm. and the the way we approach it with ourselves is that we we will attempt to shame ourselves into writing which doesn't work when we are trying to like when when you're talking to 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 someone else who's struggling you don't say you're a terrible person you need to write (laughs) you don't do that
1: no, well, I don't do that to myself either. But yeah, I don't right. know what that says about my psychology. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, and I go through like
2: I go through phases where um, because of the the depression uh, expansion pack for my ADHD, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I it's not um, like the the forms of writers like I don't get writer's block per mm-hmm. se. What I get is external circumstances crashing on me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um and that's which to me is a, a very different thing. When yeah. I have writing, it's it's generally I, I think of it as a gift because it's identifying something that's wrong with the story. And it's like mm-hmm. I just have to figure out what that wrong thing is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and then I can, and so I'm like, okay, okay, we've slowed down. Why are we slowing down? What is what is my reader brain trying to tell me about what's happening right now?
1: Ah, mm-hmm. Yeah, this would probably be the best place to stop and ask. Do you write linearly or do you write in pieces?
2: Um, I write linearly, uh, but um, I will also have an outline. And if I have an idea for a scene that is deeper in, that wasn't like, I'll I'll stop and I'll like throw down the pieces of it that occur to me in that moment, mm-hmm. but I won't flesh it out all the way. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So like, it'll include sometimes pieces of dialogue, um, it'll include, you know, like, uh, and then they see this thing, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, I, I go linearly. And, um, and then I also, uh, I also layer, um, mm-hmm. because, because I come out of theater, the only time that I have had the, um, the, the kind of classic, oh, I'm a terrible writer. This is, my, this is Like, I don't get that angst. Um, <laughs> the, o- the only time that I've ever had that was when I decided not going to show my work to people until I was done with it. And, uh, and that just caused me to freeze. So what I have learned is that I need to show my work personally, not everybody does, but I need to,
1: (laughs) I totally do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, so that I know whether or not it's working.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so I, uh, I write, um, like I'm I stay three sentences three sentences. I stay three chapters ahead of my readers. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh and so I uh when I finish a new chapter, then they get they get one of the earlier ones. And that way I can make adjustments and then I also get little dopamine hits. But because I'm doing that, it means I'm constantly doing small tweaks to get the scene mm-hmm. to 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 play the emotion that I want it to play Mm -hmm. before I let them see the next one so Mm -hmm. that um, they don't always go back and reread the scene. If I've done a really big change, I might ask them to, but usually Mm no. Mm
1: Yeah. So we're talking here about, you know, a trusted group of beta readers.
2: Yeah. Um, So I'm uh, basically it's uh, the people it used to be my newsletter, but my newsletter has too many people now. And the last time I said anybody on my newsletter, it was, um, it was like a hundred people signed up to read. And I was like, Oh no, we can't. Nope, That's, no. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. That's too many. Uh, so now it's my Patreon supporters. Uh, uh-huh. and, uh, and then I have, a uh, discord server called the lady astronaut club. Cool. Um, and so those two groups and I, I send them through at different times. And then I, um, uh, and then I always have uh, like I have a first reader who sees it before anybody uh, and and um, she sees it as soon as I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I have um, sensitivity readers or or subject matter experts who um, who see it like with uh, with uh, Tesla mm-hmm. um, I worked with someone uh, who has a PTSD service dog
1: because mm-hmm.
2: to make sure that like
1: Yeah, that I, rang very true. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: we have a service dog. Way. Thanks. Um, uh, so we have, uh, Gimlet is based on a compilation of like three dogs. Um, one is uh, Eileen Cook's dog, Gimlet, who's, you know, have you met the actual Gimlet? No, I haven't. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So Gimlet is the most ridiculously cute dog I have ever met in my entire life. Like does look (laughs) like a dog. Um, Little Westie, so cute. Um, So I was at Eileen's house and I needed to name the, the, the Asta of, of this. And I'm like, Gimlet. And I was like, you know what? Also a Westie, just like the real Gimlet. So based on the real Gimlet, then, based on my mom's service dog, who's a stability dog, ah,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Um, and he also has a command. Uh, he he is where I got the "Go say hi" command mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. because
2: she doesn't like people paying attention to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she's seated, he is he doesn't have to do his job because his job mm-hmm. is is to is is basically is a walker on her legs, so she mm-hmm. could say "Go say hi" and he would take all of the attention away from her. Uh-huh back in the before times when you know going out in the world was a thing um and then the <laughs> dog is uh the service dog of my sensitivity reader and that's a ptsd service dog
1: oh, i see uh-huh. so compilation,
2: oh, like oh three, you had a yeah dogs. you had a lot
1: to choose from there yeah yeah,
2: yeah. Uh-huh. um yeah but i i i'm very i'm also fond of gimlet so
1: uh-huh, absolutely, I'm
2: glad, I'm glad that uh, that she rang true. Oh,
1: absolutely! Yeah, no, she's one of the best best characters in the book. <laughs> Not saying that there are no, are no other ones, but you know, but no, <laughs> definitely one of my favorites.
2: She's definitely stealing the show. There's on Twitter, mm-hmm. there's a hashtag Gimlet, hashtag Team Gimlet, and a hashtag Team Fontine. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the. I like Fontine too. <laughs> yeah, those are the, the two characters that seem to be stealing stealing the book. Great yeah, um,
3: dialogue.
1: <laughs>
2: those are just so much you can call work. it
1: dialogue right
3: <laughs>
2: just, just diatribe mon- monologue <laughs> cursing without yeah, actually right.
3: using any curse sure. words
1: yeah yeah now this book is uh, as far as i can tell a complete departure from anything else you've ever written mm-hmm. yeah but uh, what was the impetus to write this just uh thinking about cruising
2: <laughs> think about cruising thinking about uh you know wanting to do the thin man in space but also the um like i'm I'm one of those people like I read all over the map. Mm. <laughs> I, uh, my short fiction I write all over the map, and um, I didn't really real like the, there's things that you do. One does consciously and things that one does without realizing it. And I consciously wanted to move from the Regency stuff that I was doing in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be able to write science fiction, so I've been slowly stepping forward in, in mm-hmm. time. But I, I was—I just realized that the the first novel that I completed, um, kind of after the, you know, what I'm gonna I'm gonna do this this novel thing. Like, there's novel zero. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a, a novel that I wrote for my niece and nephews when they moved, excuse me, moved to China. Uh, but but after I did that, one, I'm like, oh, you know what, I'm gonna try to write a novel. Mm-hmm. And that first novel was a science fiction murder mystery.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so in so for me, it kind of feels like, yeah, of course I'm writing a science fiction murder mystery.
3: Why
2: not? I'm um, <laughs> uh, definitely it was a lot easier this time than the first time because the first time I was trying to figure out how to do a mystery and trying to figure out how to write a novel mm-hmm. at the same time, um, and that was v- that very very
1: hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it
3: was not a, not not entirely successful <laughs> there. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I sympathize you know originally I was intending to write mystery novels just because I read more of them than anything else Mm -hmm. and then I said no mysteries have plots I'm not sure I can do that maybe I'll write something easier (laughs) so that's why I chose historical fiction (laughs) right (laughs) Right. yeah
2: because historical fiction is so easy
1: (laughs) Oh yeah it is you know you can look it up (laughs) that's what I thought that I'm a research professor I have access to the world's Um, libraries you know It seems easier to look things up than make them up and if I have no imagination I can steal things from the historical record which actually works pretty well yeah yeah. give you a foot up anytime
2: (laughs) there there is there is a a certain aspect to that like I I think of the world building that I do when I'm doing science fiction as being my own reference library Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and and it was you know, it was nice to be able to just look things up when I was doing the regency things. On the flip side of that, when you th- that someone will always find something that you got wrong. Or
1: that they think you got wrong. <laughs> or that
2: they think, yeah. Also true. Also true. Like the number of the number of things that people have written to me about that they are convinced are wrong. And I'm like, no, yeah. no, no, that one. No, really.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> Here's you get here, lot of the person that the French, you know, and it's like yeah. 18th century French, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, Patrick, you have rejoined
2: us.
3: Hey. Oh, your hair. <laughs> I nice to see your face, yeah.
0: Um, so Mary Robinette, one of the things that I was really uh, enthusiastic with with your books um, is the fact that you've gone into, um, this is a really strong mystery. And Diana, you've written mysteries as well with Lord John. Ray. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious on both of your takes, having moved from, maybe kind of uh, a classic science fiction or a, a historical fiction bent and then moving yourself over into um, writing a mystery and what that was like for you, where you had to shift your, maybe your your thought process a little bit. Mm, not so uh, much,
3: yeah.
0: yeah.
2: How,
1: how,
2: did, how was that for you? Since you said that you avoided it originally because well, you- Well, to start with, because I said mysteries plot. have plots. Yeah. Well, having
1: written you know something like five hundred thousand words of plot, I said I think I can do that now. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, actually, mysteries are much easier because they're more tightly focused. You mm-hmm. know, when I'm writing one of the big the big books, I have multiple storylines. That's the way my pants look when I'm waving them yeah. in front of the camera with <laughs> ADHD stuff. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, if you're writing a mystery, you have one inciting event. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. presumably the murder or something that leads to the murder or something. And, you know, that gives you a point that, we, you know, you can start there. This is always a problem when you write uh, Scattershot, like I do, is where you're going to start on any given day. And I have to wait until I have what I call a kernel. just a very vivid image, a line of dialogue, anything I can mm-hmm. sense concretely that I can put down. Well, mm-hmm. for me, the uh, the murder is the point that we for that book. And so I write that down, you know, uh, you know, what happened, you know. Uh, sometimes I'll just write, you uh, from a distance, so to speak, what I always write things called what I know about this book, and mm-hmm. I just, spell you know, spill everything, and that I always stop halfway down the page because I now have my kernel and I go and write it, and then yeah. the next week I'll write another what do I know, but, you know, it, it gives me a foothold, and from there I can expand, and the thing about historical fictions, you do look up a lot of things, so I run into things like you know what would stop Lord John from realizing this and I was thinking well you know uh what did he have for lunch you know maybe, maybe I gave him a brain fart something like that and so I have to look up what, what he would have been having for lunch And you know right. I'm thinking well there was asparagus that day for lunch you know so I have the scent of asparagus pea in the in the gentleman's club which kind of leads him to the chamber pots and different things like that anyway you know how it works it's you know, down the rat hole yeah yeah absolutely I um
2: so i uh i i had w- what i decided to do with this one was to try the uh the agatha christie method mm. um, which i i had used on the relentless moon um and the Agast- agatha christie method is that you give multiple people motive of an opportunity mm-hmm. uh, but you don't but she did not plot her novels. So multiple people get motive and opportunity. And then when you get to the end, you, you, she would figure out who it was at the same time as everybody else did. And she would produce the single clue that it's like tied everything together. So um, I did not go that far. I knew I, there were a couple of murders because I mean, spoilers, there's, there's murder on this, on the, the ship and, and more than one body. Um, but... Uh, I knew how, I knew how some of them, I wanted them to work because there was a, because of a science fictional thing that I wanted to use, a technology thing, but I was not always a hundred percent certain um, who was involved in doing that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, when I when I was first, I, I had several people that I was like, I think this one and this one. Um, so I got about, I mostly free wrote um, about the first half half to three quarters. And then I sat down and reverse engineered an outline. And, uh, and then my, (laughs) this is true fact, my cats ran across the note cards that I had spread across the floor. Um, and, uh, and then I was like, actually, that's a better sequence. So, um, so I, the, uh, the yoga scene was in a totally different spot in my original outline. Um, but I, I, then looked at all of the pieces that i had in play figured out where i needed to go and the nice thing about a mystery is you know what the ending has to be you know that the ending mm-hmm. is to the person and justice is served that's what a mystery does it's why it's why we like them and so so i i knew that that was where i needed to go that we needed to catch the person and justice was served so that just that that just meant i just had to tent post my way between everything that i knew leading up to that that i mm-hmm. discovery mm-hmm the end and then go back in and adjust stuff mm-hmm. so that um you know that that people it's like oh i don't think hmm, i have this person on stage right now which means that they do not have an opportunity to commit this murder how can i get them off stage
3: mm-hmm. exactly
1: uh-huh. the twin <laughs> the twin yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you to think you're <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, always twins, always
0: twins. Always, always twins, twins, always twins. You can never, you know, if there's twins on board, you know one of them was really the murderer. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of of women in science, both of you write really strong women. You know, Claire, obviously as a nurse, Mary Robinette, all of your characters have are strong in math or computer science or, you know, and I really admire that. Um, did you have this intent to kind of, um, kind of um, bring women more towards the forefront of science and math, and and have them be kind of strong uh, healers or or into the science aspect of it before writing your books, or was this just something that came as an idea? Yeah.
1: Um, Completely fortuitous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I yeah. had nothing like that in mind at all. <laughs> And, um, you know, yeah. just if I could put in a footnote here, speaking as a writer of historical fiction, not all strong women are, you know, the modern view of, you know, kick ass mm-hmm. uh, stem, I hate that word, uh, but you uh, know, the women have been extremely yeah. strong since the very beginning, that's yeah. that uh, they may be working in a different uh, area, their strength right. comes through in, yeah. in a different, uh, a differently structured life, you know, so yeah. with Locke, we show a number of those people through the historical streamline as well. Uh, however, Claire kind of needs to be modern just because she was when I started writing her and she wouldn't shut up and talk like an 18th century person. But you know, that's that's why she is who she is, is because I didn't have a choice.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, well, and Jane, my, my main character in The Glamorous Histories, um, and Ginger in Ghost Talkers, they aren't in, in STEM. Um, Elma had to be because I needed her to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then Tesla, um Tesla, I had I had some choices there. And one of the the thoughts that went through my head honestly was um, you know, like she's an heiress, what is she what is she an heiress of? And and I'm like, this is a science fiction novel. Um let me have her be in tech. Mm-hmm. And 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 further, um and this is pretty you know crass commercialism uh, knowing that I am coming out of the glamorous not the glamorous uh, the calculating stories the lady astronaut universe mm-hmm. and that I had an audience that was very excited about women in in mm-hmm. um, and the number of women that I had who talked to me after I say it's just commercial, but it's also that, I had so many women talk to me after Calculating Stars came out that said, like, that they hadn't seen themselves represented. That that seeing seeing a woman doing, you know, who was in the sciences doing doing science um, was was really meaningful to them. And so part of what, so I was I was thinking about that when I was deciding what Tesla, what her what she was. Um, I did I briefly thought about having her uh, be an actor um, but it was going to there were uh, other pieces of the book I didn't want her to be too familiar with with stagecraft mm. because some of some of the other things that I had happening yeah. in the book um, which just it was like well she's she's a she's a roboticist that's what mm. she does she she worked very designs, well. yeah. designs robots very large robots in my my own head canon is that uh she is the daughter or granddaughter of um of a a, someone a famous inventor a very wealthy inventor who had a suit of uh, an entire metal suit that could fly and shoot things out of his hands but definitely (laughs) not in any way a copyrighted character
3: (laughs) definitely not
2: (laughs) definitely not a copyrighted character that that would be
0: no. Yeah. No. Well, my my day job is in, in um STEM. So for me, it's always nice to see um women being positively represented. And you know, it's just it's but especially in my field where I'm I'm doing um, basically computer programming at a for a local hospital, and it's basically 50-50 men and women, and it's really uh, and but more and more women are coming on board, and I think that having that representation in fiction is excellent. And on top of that, your science is—I mean, you have to write and you have to fictionalize a little bit, but your science is really top-notch in your books as well. You really take a lot of care and effort to make sure that things are accurate.
2: Yeah, I do <laughs> probably more than I need to. Sometimes um, it was. One of the the things that was really joyful when I was working on the uh, the, the the ship was that I had access to uh, Max Fagan, who's a, a rocket uh, rocket engineer, um, and he was so amazingly helpful. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, Since, since this is zoom I'm going to do a thing that I never get to do in in real person events. And I'm going to share screen if I may, um, although I think you have to enable it.
0: All right, let me, let me give this a go. Uh,
2: So, um, I like I was just for, for folks I was a, you know, I come out of theater. Um, There we go. Uh, So I I have to rely on experts for a lot of things so this is the Lindgren uh, this is my my interplanetary spaceship. Um, so what he's built for me here is this spreadsheet that is so massive. So I, I needed to know what my launch date was, um, what my acceleration, uh, the maximum abort, we've got our rough route, um, voyage time. This is when the flippy poo happens. But he figured out exactly how big the ship was. That's a schematic top down. This is what it looks like from the side, that's the ship itself. Mm -hmm. And then over here, this ridiculousness, um, this tells me uh, the lag time on communications. So because I, so I had a calendar that I kept and I would compare the calendar to where we were on the voyage and be like, all right, So we are on, uh, you know, day one or day two, and that means that, uh, I have a five minute delay. Um, and like, uh, because they're traveling under constant thrust. So like, I love this kind of thing. I could not generate this kind of thing on my own. I mean, this is just like, like, I just, it's such a beautiful, beautiful use of, spreadsheeting.
1: That's gorgeous, yeah.
0: Yeah, I never get to show that.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you did. <laughs> and then yeah, you do, and thing. you know, <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it'll be uh, in perpetuity, so that's that's one of the exciting things about it. Um,
1: when they do the anniversary edition of your book, right. you want to put that in the end, end papers?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I did, Um, I did draw, um, I gave them the map, and so mm-hmm. they you know, I, I drew a, ver- a prettier version of that, and then they made it even prettier. Um, nice. We do have a map in the front of the ship, and in front of the book, but it does not have the ridiculous spreadsheet.
0: Oh well. <laughs> I, I actually, that that spreadsheet made my little nerd heart sing.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, I I've yeah. found that there is a certain number of a certain crossover between uh, my readers and people who really appreciate that particular spreadsheet. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Are are you gonna, uh, you wanna see a spreadsheet? And they're like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Everybody loves those spreadsheets. That's right. Um, So in terms of, uh, I've gotta make a little plug. You, uh, for a few years, you were the president of CIFWA Mm
3: -hmm. as well.
0: And so I've got to ask, um, what was life like being the president of CIFWA? What was it like running, helping run? Um, For those who don't know, it's the Science Fiction Writers of America.
3: Uh,
2: Actually, the name recently changed. Um, So it's been Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, and it changed to the Science Fiction Writers Association because we wanted to make it, and this happened after I was, Mm -hmm. after my turn, but um, we have been wanting to make it clear that you do not have to be, living in North America to be a member
0: so uh science fiction and fantasy writers association Anyway, so yes you evolved it and that's part of what I wanted to ask was your evolution of it because you really were integral for kind of expanding this and and um what what was that like what was and and who's running it this year now that you've you've moved on
2: um, so, Jeffy Kennedy, uh, who served on the board with me, uh, is president now, and she's been doing a wonderful job. Um, I uh, so my term began in July of 2019. Um, so, the last year and a half of it was uh, was it was just COVID pivots, um, and I was I was. Fortune, I say just. We, we had other things that we were doing, but but that was a, a really big focus. Um, took up a lot of time and energy. And I had a very good team that was working for me. What I what I generally find is that uh, it's an organization that is um, uh, it, it's very it is forward thinking, but we get a reputation for not being forward thinking. I think because we surface problems so often. So a lot of the a lot of the stuff that's been happening more recently with the Me Too movement and sexism um, that had, you know, that had already happened uh, in the science fiction community uh, with GamerGate. Um, A lot of the stuff that's happening in the larger world in the uh, with diversity initiatives and, and the blowback from them had already happened. Uh, the way that we were dealing with uh, a movement that was called the Sad Puppies and the Rabid Puppies. Um, so a lot of so we're we're getting those you know we're we're running just a slightly bit ahead, uh, but that also means that we are calling out the problems, which then it's like, uh, you know, that we have had a long long history of being an old boys club. Um, which is also true of a lot of other fields now, mm-hmm. uh, and and has been. Um, but when you are looking at who's in charge and who's winning awards, that there is a shift that that has happened. Um and it's not like I uh, the only reason I could be involved in in causing and pushing that is because the momentum was already there.
0: So what do you see as the future of fantasy because, and, and science fiction, because I see it as becoming more of an inclusive place with lots Mm -hmm. of different voices. Um, and there's a lot of exciting new, um, subjects that are being explored, but also, um, I see a little bit of, of, a push to the traditional as well. So I'm seeing it kind of all across the board right now. Uh, but At the same time just really good writing.
2: So my own take on this is that um where we are right now and and this is I think uh you'll I think you'll see this in a couple of different manifest in a couple of different ways but historically uh in times of strife uh musical theater comedy and nostalgia take off and I think that one of the things the the reasons that uh, mysteries are selling very well right now uh, and and a lot of people are publishing them is
3: because
2: they are uh, they they trigger a lot of nostalgia things, a, a lot of nostalgia feelings for people. but they also there is uh, at the end of the book. Things have been set right most of the time. I mean, there are there are the odd ones, but for the most part, you get to the end of the book and things have been set right. I think that for the next little bit, we are going to see uh, we're going to see more uh, science fiction murder mysteries. Um, certainly, this season we've got a lot of them coming out, like uh, Mur Lafferty's uh, Station Eternity, for example. Um, and uh, yes, I also think that we're going to see things being more inclusive. Um, I think that, that one of the other things that I'm looking forward to, and I believe will happen is that we will see, um, different styles of stories start to happen. I, I think that that's something that's going to have to wait. Some, some aspects of that will have to wait until things become a little more stable.
3: Uh-huh. Um,
2: because when we are in stability points of stability, that's when you get experimental stuff. That's when you get dystopia. That's when you get thought pieces. Um, but when when we talk about writing in the Western world, we, um, you know, there's there's a very specific plot style that we follow. And uh, and in other parts of the world, there are different plot structures. And so I think that we're going to start to see that and that's gonna have an impact on the the larger market. And I think we're we're I think that we are about to come into a time we're gonna we're gonna go through a period right now of growth uh, and those are always uncomfortable um but I think that we are we are like coming into this period where we're going to have just glorious, glorious, interesting new voices and new ways of telling stories and new ways of, of reaching audience. I'm really excited about what's coming. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> we'll plug there
2: plug, oh, yes. i mean there's a there's a reason that i went the nostalgia route like oh yeah. in space it's like oh yeah no let's let's and it's and i tried for funny i tried real hard for funny it's oh, yeah, harder for me
0: <laughs> good it is i was going to ask you diana because you your series you're set in your series you don't you you don't follow those trends, but yet it seems like historical fiction always does really well. Yeah,
1: yeah well, uh, some of it is nostalgia, some of it is curiosity. People mm-hmm. want to know how things used to be because mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of ill-educated young people these days who don't have the faintest clue that things were not always the way they are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this causes a lot of interesting reader letters when they're writing and saying, oh, why did this person do that? You know? And saying, <laughs> well, because, you know.
0: Yeah yeah we didn't always believe in bathing, and I'm mm-hmm. glad we, we do we do now.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know there's uh, there's things about bathing. Evidently, yeah, they, if you go without bathing, but you are you know basically sanitary, you're not marinating and you know stuff. and uh, your your skin will in fact, establish a uh, bacterial layer, and you don't stink, you know, as long yeah. as you uh, you don't you know yeah. Bloody things, or things that will cause you to have stuff on your skin, but otherwise, yeah. you don't necessarily have to have a daily bath in order to be, you know, socially acceptable.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, this there's some really good, really, really good research about that. So, from the historical aspect, uh, people did not stink the way pe- we think they did, That's and right. uh, and and also the science of it, um, bathing every day is is actually probably really bad for us. I think um, so. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a whole microbiome thing that we are disrupting on a daily basis when we bathe every day,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and that's why there are so many products that are out there to try to help you with all of that, like all of the skin problems, because you're stripping stuff off.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. Yep. So yes, um, I I I am glad that uh, that we have antibiotics.
1: That's a big uh, help,
2: yes. Yes, that 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 aspect of, of modern life I'm really excited about, but the uh, the bathing every day is not actually a thing we need to do.
1: No, no, no. I gave up uh, using soap, you know, when I was like 18 or so. I <laughs> have not used it since.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. you know,
0: they say that antibacterial soap, some of it is actually not so good for you. So mm-hmm. we'll, see, mm-hmm. we'll see what comes out from then. Um, in terms of... Uh, Reader's questions, Mary, Robinette, one of the questions that I get asked quite a bit here on Facebook is is your cat. If you could let us know about your smart cat.
2: Yes, Um, so for people who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, my cat, Elsie, um, is uh, part of a a study or or participating in a project um, called Augmented Interspecies Communications. And I, I was a skeptic of this before she st- we started doing this. Uh, we're part of a study with, I think, like 6,000 animals. Um, and she uses buttons to talk. So this was begun in 2019 by a woman named Christina Hunger, who was a speech and language therapist. And she was like, what happens if I use the same techniques that I use with my nonverbal patients with my new puppy? hmm uh, and the answer is that she has a dog with a sixty-word vocabulary and a this movement. Uh, Elsie has eighty-four buttons now. Um, I, the newest button is "thank you," um, which she may not need because she will often use "love you" to mean "thank you." Um, so, does she need that word? Nah. But I say it often enough to her that I thought, well, let me try giving it to her because it's been uh, it's been an interesting journey with her. Um, she is. Uh, the, I, I had read that cats and dogs were, you know, smart as an average three or four-year-old and I definitely have a fur toddler. Um, I am traveling right now or, uh, or she would be here, uh, almost certainly. Uh, I have done a number of these interview, speech, you know, whatever things, or just meetings, And I'll be having this conversation with someone. Oh, yes, well, I think that's a very interesting idea. We should totally, all done, all done. (laughs) Loud, all done. Sorry, that's not anything we're we're fine here. All done. I'm like, thank you, Elsie. Not now. Mary Robinette working. All done later. Later now. I'm like, no, later is not now.
0: So, Mary, yeah. what, is, what is on your horizon? And, Diana, can you give us a, a small little taste of what's on yours at all? Is there anything that you can divulge or not yet?
1: Hmm. Well, uh, let's see. There are a few things that I can't, and there are a few things that I can. Uh, the people at uh, Sony expressed some interest in entertaining the idea of a prequel, which the executive mm-hmm. producers from the, the, the Stars TV. Outlander show uh, wanted to do which is the story of Jamie Fraser's parents Brian and Ellen and Mm -hmm. that's back in the earlier Jacobite rising 1715 1719 period Um, so they were interested in that and I in fact had that already on my to-do list you might say and uh, in the last few years I've just been you know writing small bits of it whenever uh, a scene came to me and so I had you know chunks but very disconnected chunks and so forth so when suddenly Sony Uh, decides to announce that, well, this project is in development. I was going in. What does that mean exactly? And well, the next thing is that one of those, you know, bottom feeder sites that pops up whenever you touch Google came up and had a, a piece about the prequel, which, and they were pitching it as though this was a done deal. It was definitely going to happen. And Diana is involved as a consulting producer there actually is not such a thing as a consulting producer anyway somebody showed me that and I said well I have no idea what's going on you know meaning you know there's no such thing as a consulting producer it's not you know ongoing yeah. et, cetera, et cetera. the only thing that that I know is and I just said I have no idea what's going on so this caused a lot of rash about people going oh well they're trying to do it without her we can't have that <laughs> and so somebody called up and said Did, you know you're kind of worrying the people at Sony <laughs> they think you don't want to be involved in it. And I said, no, I would like to be involved in it. You know, it's yeah. just that there's a lot of, you know, speculation on the basis of absolutely nothing going on here, which is all I intended to convey. So yeah. we had, you know, a lot of chat about, you know, how can we work on this? I have a novel, which, you know, you can do a lot more in a novel than you can do mm-hmm. on a screen. The way you do on a screen is very, very visible and uh, extremely vivid. And so you have to choose carefully which pieces you're going to use and how you're going to use those to construct uh, what you're doing. I can grow mine organically, you know, like crystals in the basement. And so uh, we sort of left it that uh, I will continue working on the book. They can't stop me. And uh, they will continue working on their development of their pilot script and, and whatever else they intend to do for Sony and all that. But we will keep in touch. You know, they will show me what they're doing. I'll show them what I'm doing there may be things that I'm doing that will go off in a different direction, but they can use what I've done right here. Or they may be intending to do this in a different direction. And either I might say, well, that's interesting. You know, I wonder if I could work that in where, where I'm going, or I might say, no, that would never work because you know, my vision of this character is completely different. And I better tell them that just in case. <laughs> so, so, you know, we trade bits of information, you know, it's, it's a, a very low key process at the moment.
2: <laughs> that's great. Um my thing is I'm working on the Fourth Lady Astronaut book. Uh oh, I uh, I I do nano so I am uh, mm. like 15, 000, 17 17,000 words in right now. Oh. Um so we'll see. Uh we'll see how it is. Uh I already know that the end that I was aiming for is not the right ending. Um but uh <laughs> Uh, it's a good ending. It's just the wrong one. Um, So that's, that's always fun. I'm not sure what that's going to mean yet, but, um, (laughs) but like I, I outline and then I just rearrange and revise the outline, which is why I'm like, do I work linearly? I mean, I write linearly, but I also have this whole outlining thing, which is very jumping around a bit. I think we all, I think we all like, you know, there are parts that, uh, where where we put the planning parts and where we put the discovery parts. We all have to
0: do both things. It's just, we do them at different spots depending on our brain.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's so neat. So Mary Robinette, I was just thinking about this. You've been coming to our bookstore either virtually or in person, really since, I want to say, of Noble Family. Uh, that seems right, yeah. Yeah, which is... If if anybody gets a chance and has an interest in regency uh, romance, but with uh, a strong uh, uh, you know mystery and and great characters, uh, the glamorous histories are really an absolutely wonderful series to get into and dip your toes into. The calculating are the lady astronauts. I always want to say calculating stars, but the lady astronauts also spectacular in terms of. Historical science fiction, but specul or speculative fiction. I, yeah. I it's it's a good cross between both, and the Spare Man is just wonderful. It really oh, okay. is for those of you who uh, want a really great mystery to curl up. Uh, maybe make a few of the cocktails in this book. Yeah, because talk about that. I mean, yeah, no, um, you need a you know, I could, I could think of a good drinking game where you just every night you read a chapter and drink, drink. Yeah, only one chapter, right? Yeah. Every every chapter starts with a cocktail recipe.
2: Um, uh, And there are zero proof cocktail recipes in there because I wanted everybody to be able to participate. Uh, But yeah, yeah, it's, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of them. (laughs)
0: It's such a great book, and it's such a pleasure to have both of you here tonight. Um, Diana, can I do a little poison pen plug real quick?
3: Uh, Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Okay. Uh, So for those of you who would like an inscribed book, uh, please order sooner rather than later, because Diana would like to spend time with her family during the holidays. And uh, we don't want her to have the claw. So please, um, if you're thinking of reading <laughs> if you're thinking of boarding for the holidays, please do so. And and you know what better book to go uh, in anybody's stocking but the Spare Man right here. Absolutely, um, with it, with your boarding package. It yes. is <laughs> with your boarding package that you'll get with your book and uh, signed by Mary Robinette. And we only have you know, a handful left. So if you're thinking, or if you're on the fence, probably better to order now. And then you can maybe buy another one for a gift, spread the word because uh, Mary Robinette, you are one of my favorite science fiction writers and, and, you know, thank you so much for writing this series. It's really an awesome series.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I'm really glad. It means a lot. I was that you've, I, cause you've read a lot of mysteries. So thank you so much.
0: <laughs> we read a lot of books here I mean, yeah
2: Diana does too <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah
2: thank you for this Diana this was a delight getting oh, a, yeah, a chance so to talk, to talk you. with you yeah
1: yeah Absolutely. my pleasure
0: and for those of you um who maybe had a question but weren't quite sure what to ask tonight Mary Robnett, where can people find you
2: Sure, they can find me, uh, the easiest thing is to visit my website, uh, uh You can sign up for my newsletter. Right now we are doing a costume contest. And um, if you enter the costume contest, uh, you get invited to a captain's dinner. Uh, not if you enter, if you, um, if you win the costume contest, if you're one of our winners, you get invited to a captain's dinner, which is uh, basically a small uh, small dinner with with me. Um, We will have them in Lunar, Terran, and uh, Martian times, Mm -hmm. Uh, so useful for everybody, but uh, there's information on that. Sign up for my newsletter, and then uh, Patreon. Um, If you're a writer and you want someone to help you with writing, I teach, and uh, $25 a month, you get to get lessons from me, and you also get access
0: to four years of archives.
3: Oh,
0: (laughs) that's a good deal. (laughs) Yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and Diana, uh, probably. Where can everybody find you? Just as a, a little plug.
1: Now let's see. I'm on Twitter, writer underscore dg. I have a Facebook page, which is author Diana Gavaldon, no spaces. And I have a website, uh, dianagavaldon So uh, between the three, you ought to be able to track me down. And
0: you're active everywhere. So, and if you're in Phoenix, you may have a Diana Gavaldon sighting. You never know.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much, both of you, for tonight, and um, I hope everybody has a really nice. Uh, we're getting down just to a few days before that Thanksgiving
3: mm-hmm. dinner,
0: so I hope you all have a really nice Thanksgiving. Yeah, thank you, you as well,
3: Patrick. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah.
0: Bye, guys. Have a wonderful so nice night. Nice to see you thank both. You for watching. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Thank you. There thank you. All of our
0: Thanks. fans on Twitter and Facebook, and we look forward to seeing you
1: soon. Have a good Thanks. night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>